Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking Pack, the official sports podcast of the Nevada Sagebrush. I am your host, Derek Raritan, and with me today, as usual, is the fabulous Dominic Gutierrez. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? You know, it's been interesting. A lot of projects are over and done with, but I know we're just starting in the new ones, so it's just going to... You know, it's going. Anyways, on this episode, we're kind of going back to our roots and talking about football once again, especially how bad they played against UNLV. We need to discuss that, kind of recap it, see if there's any highs and lows from this performance against the Rebels, as well as a lot of conversation about Ken Wilson being on the hot seat and also the injury of Latu. There's there's a whole lot this episode, I will say. But first, like usual, we have for you another installment of A Week in Review, starting with Cross Country. Both the men's and women's cross country teams competed in the Highlander Invitational on October 14th. The women's team placed 12th out of 23 teams with 307 points, and the men's team took home a 4th place finish out of 26 teams with 156 points. Just a little reminder, the less amount of points you have, the better. Both programs had combined 13 personal records at the event. Both the men's and women's next meet will be the Mountain West Championships in Eagle, Idaho on October 27th. Tommy got women, you got volleyball actually. Yeah, the Nevada volleyball team picked up two wins at home on October 12th and 14th. The first victory was against the in-state rivals UNLV, where Nevada won the match three sets to two. On October 14th, the Wolfpack picked up their second consecutive win by defeating San Diego State. The Aztecs only won one set with the match ending in a 3-1 to victory for Nevada. The Wolfpack will head to Wyoming to take on the Cowgirls on October 19th. Moving on, the women's soccer team played two games in the past week. The first was against the New Mexico Lobos at home on October 12th. The women would come out the loser on this one, dropping to the in-conference rival 0-1. The second was against the Mountain West leading San Diego State Aztecs on October 15th. This matchup would see the Wolfpack women come out on top as three consecutive goals from Brooklyn Blake, midfielder, and Emily Rich, forward, would help the program give San Diego State their first conference loss of the season by a score of 3-2. With only three games left in the season, the women look to use the momentum from their Sunday win against Boise State on October 19th and Utah State on October 22nd. Dom, you want to round us out with a little bit of football? Yep, so it was another rough loss for Nevada as the losing streak continues and it's now at 16 games in a row after the 45-27 to loss to UNLV. Ironically, it was the Wolfpack's best offensive performance of the year, scoring a season-high 27 points. Quarterback Brendan Lewis threw for 280 yards and rushed for 115 yards, but it wasn't enough to keep up with the Rebels. The Wolfpack will head to San Diego on Saturday, October 21st, to play the Aztecs with hopes of ending the longest losing streak in the nation. I don't get it. I really don't. It's insane to me that we keep losing this way. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it yourself. The offense did so good. Now, of course, it was kind of just like dead points in a way. Yeah. Because they really only did amazing um, during the last two quarters, if not the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as if they were just balling out the entire time and whatever, whatever. And that's obviously true in the first quarter. And second quarter, when Brendan Lewis threw two combined picks. Now, of course, one of them was kind of like a Hail Mary-ish attempt to see if he can get a little bit of field positioning for a field goal at the end of the second quarter. But that that pick at the five-yard line hurt so bad. It hurt so bad. And knowing that he, by himself, I think had over 300, if not close to 400 yards. Yeah. 
yards produced. I don't get it. I don't understand why he can't do this when we're doing good defensively. It hurts. Like, I, I, I really don't get it. Yeah, like I said, I mean, obviously with the almost 300 passing yards, over 100 rushing yards, and the two passing touchdowns he threw, they were over 40 yards, both of them. So it was... They were dots. They He came out a lot more aggressive. That, you know, you could clearly tell that was the game plan coming into this game, which I'm not sure why, you know, that was implemented now and not the past five games. But it was nice to see the passing game specifically being more aggressive, and I think that's something that I've mentioned past about you know if they're wanting especially with you know Ashton Hayes is out for the season so the running game you know it's hurting a little bit you know so you're gonna need a quarterback who can throw and we finally saw that at least and like you know just the offense in general you know in the first five games of the season they were only producing 15 points per game maybe that bye week right before this game helped and it gave Derek Sage and Ken Wilson more time to kind of plan things out but it's either offense is there defense isn't or the defense is there offense isn't that inconsistency kills. <laughs> There's only so much you can do when you're not able to actually string in a full game yep. of football. And Ken Wilson has gone on record saying this, that they just can't string together four quarters, whether that be defensively, offensively, or both. You know, So it's not as if this isn't an issue that is just kind of going underneath the rug and just not being known. Even the coaching staff knows this. What are the steps do you think we need to take? And I say we as in like, you know, Nevada football, hmm. like as a school. Like, Nevada football, what do they need to do in order to actually put together a full four quarters of football? I mean, I would definitely say, and I think I've mentioned it before when it came to comparing, like comparing the Kansas game to the Idaho State game, you know, all those kind of games. In reality, unless you're, you know, one of these top teams, you're you're really only going to get one or the other, and you're going to have to, but that has to be your strength, you know? You're either really going to need the offense or you're really going to need the defense. And like you said, it's just, it's been, too inconsistent and they need to find that consistency how they plan on fixing that i wish i knew the answer to that if i did i'd probably be on the coaching staff it's one of those things where you know unlv the offense was there the defense wasn't past games like the fresno state game you know the defense was there but the offense wasn't so it's whatever they got to do to find that consistency to say okay let's you know our offense can come out firing which that's also something they've struggled with or keeping uh, the opposing offenses off the board early because there's a lot of their beginning drives have ended in the opposing team scoring touchdowns or at least field goals but mainly some kind of points so finding a way to have a clean shutout at least first drive to give the offense some time to actually breathe. I think someone mentioned to me that of the la- of the first six drives that mm-hmm. opponents have had this season, they've scored on five of them. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. Um, and I think what hurts the most about, especially this loss, not just because it's UNLV, not because we didn't get the Fremont Cannon back. I think the biggest thing that hurts is the fact that the offense actually did good. Yeah. It was special teamed, especially mm-hmm. that one drive where they got two false starts oh, before yeah. kicking the ball. Mm-hmm. That hurt. I was very upset. And then just the fact that I understand that UNLV had a top 21-ish, like 25, I believe, offense at the time of playing. They they had that, but we played Kansas, who was top 15, if I remember correctly, when we played them. And we go out and we do that? They drop a 45 bucket on our heads? And, and they, they, Yeah, and, <sighs> I mean, it was just because uh, it was over 500 total offensive yards against the battle that UNLV put up. 
rushing alone, they put up 259 rushing yards, and then their uh, quarterback threw for over well over 200 yards. So it was just that's what it was. Defense was the wink like this game. They killed them, and that was the one. It wasn't just the Rebels' offense, you know, just marching downfield. A lot of it came from, and that's what Nevada struggled with was shutting the offense down on third down because. The Rebels, they converted 11 of its um, 18 third down attempts in the game, you know, and that's just, that's not something, especially when the offense is already putting up over 100 total offensive yards against Nevada, you know, you got to win the third down game. And that, that's been the biggest problem is being able to shut that down to get the offense back on the field. I didn't even see the fact that they were 50, over 50% when they had 18 third down like, conversion attempts. Yep. That's insane. Like... I don't think we had anybody injured, did we? Minus that one cornerback who dropped. Like, he... Yeah, defensively, I don't know of any major injuries that happened. Exactly. So, I'm, I, oh, God. It, why did it have to revert then? Yeah. I think I would have preferred a defensive game versus an offensive game at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Because knowing that at least we have that continuity. If the defense consistently was going to just ball, ball out, get a couple picks, hold that, you know, hold offenses to seasonal lows or if not damn near close to it I, I would have preferred that against UNLV than them coming out and scoring first off 28 points yeah. in the first half mm-hmm. and then just proceeding just not gloated in but just kind of come in and just be like yeah no we're putting you down well, and I think that, that's definitely, you know, the most frustrating thing is it's not like we haven't seen, you know, it's not like we haven't seen the potential that this offense has and the potential that this defense has. Throughout the season, you know, like I said, we've had these back and forth games of, oh, the offense is really good, but the defense plays terrible or vice versa. That's the more frustrating thing is it's not like we haven't seen the potential of either side of the ball. We know what it is. We've seen it. They just can't consistently play in a full four quarter to actually produce a win. I don't get it. I don't. I think and I think what infuriates me the most, and this is going to kind of be a decent segue, is the fact that Ken Wilson, don't get me wrong, as a head coach, you should be optimistic. You should be like a leader to your boys and seeing if you can possibly, you know, motivate them in times of, in dark times. But the fact that he's just so overly, like, it just seems as if he, he, he's putting out messages to the offense that are just not falling on deaf ears, but very much just seem sort of out of the way, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, he, I mentioned this on my Twitter. Uh, go follow me at, at Burden Derek. No. <laughs> you know, he'll put out something like, oh, yeah, well, I, I just keep on telling them, you know, get better every week. Don't listen to the noise and everything else. And by the way, that's an amazing quote. That's an amazing thing that he does. I'm not going to criticize that. But just the fact that it just seems as if it's consistently being like, oh, something else is fa- uh, failing. Something else is going on. Or for the last three weeks before the UNLV game, it was, oh, they're trying their hardest, but getting the results that they want. Right. Right? And it, it feels as if he's selectively talking to the offense on press conferences and everything like that. So, of course, that could just be the question. Mm-hmm. I'm not at those press conferences. I should be. I'm not. But it's just weird to sort of hear him say, oh, yeah, well, I'm just telling the guys to get better. But this is really the first game that the offense has balled out. Meanwhile, your defense has been consistently getting better. So which one are you talking about at this point? Because mm-hmm. it just feels as if you're putting out a blanket statement, which I think is the, one of the reasons why a lot of people feel like Ken Wilson is on the hot seat. Do you agree with that? 
I definitely think so. And I mean, it's I get where they're all coming from. And I mean, Ken Wilson, he's been with you know the Nevada program for a long time. It hasn't been consecutively, but he was here for a while from I believe it was 1989 to 2012. He was you know in a variety of different you know assistant roles and all that. Um, and then obviously he came in two winters ago to be our head coach. Um, you have to put you know the scapegoat on somebody and it's unfortunate but when you start your coach you know your head coach uh career with nevada 2-0 and then you haven't won a game since and it's now a new season midway through you know you can say anything you want you know you can say how you know how much you love the program and how much how well i've treated you and that you know all you want to do is turn them around but you know at the end of the day if this roster on paper is a lot better than last year's but they're performing much much worse you know there's unless you can at least match the win total from last year or preferably surpass it i see the reason why he is on the hot seat and why he should be on the hot seat i know we've talked a little bit about it kind of off air but wilson came in before the new athletic director came in you know she's going to want she's gonna have to take a look at that and say hey like this is you know this is kind of my legacy here as well and I have to do what's best for my program and a lot of athletic directors they're going to tend to want to have their own staff and their own coach and say you know this is this is my guy so I definitely think that's going to factor into it as well and I think we're going to that that's going to be a big factor is the fact that he came in before that transition so it's I don't think it looks too great. And I agree. There's multiple reasons why we've been doing bad, right? Mm -hmm. I mentioned that Kansas was top-ranked offensively when we played them. I mentioned that UNLV was. mentioned that Idaho was, a, I believe, still a top-six FCS school in the entire nation last year and probably, hope, and you know, you know, always hope good to people. Hopefully they're doing good this year as well. But it just... I understand that we had like a rough schedule. We didn't think Kansas would be that rough. We didn't think Idaho would be that good. We didn't think Texas State would come out and put up 35 on our heads when we put up 17 on theirs first. You know, we wouldn't we didn't think of all these things, but they've happened. And we are going into the back end of our schedule. We're facing teams like Hawaii, we're facing teams like New Mexico, San Diego State. We don't play San Jose State this year, which kind of makes me a little upset. But we're not we're not playing against the top echelon teams anymore, right? We still have Air Force, I believe. If and correct me if I'm wrong, we still have Air Force to play. But minus them, we have a lot of teams that there is the option, uh, the, not the option, the possibility of winning those, right? But I don't think it's enough at this point. Ken Wilson has pr- Ken Wilson deserves his hot seat. I think, and I think he recognizes it himself too. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's not um, aware of the fact that he, he, he there's a lot of eyes on him and a lot of eyes on that head coaching role that many coaches across the nation would love to take or not maybe love maybe just we would want to i just don't know i want to give him kudos i want to give this staff kudos and again on this podcast off air i've been very critical of wilson you, you've heard me say it multiple times, you've, and you've you've heard me be very critical of Derek Sage, which is the offensive coordinator for mm-hmm. uh, the Wolfpack. I've been very critical of these guys, right? I still think there's a little bit of hope, just to kind of bring a little bit of optimism in here, and so that way it's not just both of us talking like, yeah, they both need to be fired. Like, yeah. there's just so much that they could have done, and to your point, they did have a highly recruited offense this year. No disrespect to Brendan Lewis. What team did he play for before this? Colorado. Play for Colorado Buffaloes. 
All right, Coach Prime's team. Before it was Coach Prime's team, what was his record? One win. One, and I believe ten. Mm-hmm. Right? There, we gave so much hope to this team, right? And there was a lot of people who deserved that hope, yeah. right? Sean Dollars, came from Oregon, had multiple touchdowns and a lot of yards over at Oregon in his final year. We had people like Spencer Spencer Curtis and the entire uh, wide receiver court. Mm Now, all of them were transfers, but they were still built to be a pretty darn good wide receiver court. Mm -hmm. We had Latu come in, which sadly now he's hurt. We're going to talk about here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. We had so many people come into this program, and we just thought, yes, our team can be good again. We can say that we can at least be a 500 team. We can compete against UNLV. We can do all this other stuff. And it's been nothing but disappointments, minus maybe the Kansas game and half of the Texas State game. Yeah, It's their needs. I don't want to say there needs to be change. I've said that before on the podcast. I was a little emotional. I will admit I was very upset. But there's got to be some sort of change in this organization, whether it be coming from Ken Wilson and he changes his organization around and they win a couple games and all of a sudden our win total is better. Or maybe it has to be from, you know, Stephanie Remp coming in and being like, yo, y'all are not doing good enough. We need a we need a winning or at least a competing organization. You got to go. And that's, and that's like I was saying, you know, with Stephanie Ramp and like I said, you know, she she came in after Wilson had already been hired. You right. Know, so it wasn't it wasn't her group. You know, it wasn't his guy. So, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure, you know, they might have a great relationship. You know, but obviously she has to look at it and say, what's not only going to help, you know, my name and my career, but what's going to help my program and the university. You know, you know, if that means firing your head coach after two seasons and taking, you know, just taking the buyout, and you know, that's what you have to do, especially, you know, knock on wood, but this program goes winless. There's, there's nothing you can, you can pull away from that season that says, let's give him a third year. And going back to your point about the rest of the season, we don't play Air Force this year. Oh, good. They're but, killing um, it. Yeah. They're killing it, man. They're, but, they're ranked 22 for a reason right now. But our last six games are, you know, on paper, it's very favorable. I mean, Wyoming is the only team that we're set to play that's currently above 500. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone else, you know, it's kind of the bottom tier. I mean, like this week, we're playing San Diego State, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but they're right towards the bottom of the standings with us, you know? So they just got, I think they just got their first conference win. Uh, yeah, they just beat Hawaii yeah. uh, last week, so... And, but, and yeah, and that was, they put up over 40 points in that one. So they're, but they're coming in hot too. So just because, you know, it's favorable on paper doesn't mean, you know, there's going to be a rollover, especially for how we have been playing. So it's, it's a good way to say for Ken Wilson to look at it and say, okay, you know, it's a pretty favorable end of the season. You know, you can, these are teams that you could definitely scrap out a few wins and, you know, save your face and kind of lift the program back up. But if, you know, the losing streak continues after, because after San Diego State, it goes New Mexico and then Hawaii. You know, if it if it's still going to that point, then there's just not. There's nothing that I could look at and say, okay, you know, this coaching staff still deserves a third year. Unless it's like overtime or double overtime games. Yeah. I think any if there isn't a win in the next two three weeks, there's gonna there's gonna be no future for that staff. Yeah. I agree with you. Because obviously, you know, like I said last year, you know, two and ten. This year, at minimum, you have to at least match that. Even then I feel like would be a disappointment. I would say for Wilson and his staff to be comfortable and have a shot of coming back next season, I would say you probably want to win four out of the next six. 
I don't um, know about four. It's possible, but I don't know about four. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. You know, if that's I think what they need in order to be comfortable, in order to deserve to have a third year as coaching staff. That's fair. Because you know, you gotta at least like you said, match it to at least have a chance. And if you beat it, get three or four wins, I think there's a talk of like, okay, we can keep you, but you got, you're got on a tight leash. Yeah. Let's get into Latu, I believe. Yeah, you... there hasn't been the exact state of the injury. doesn't seem like it's been set yet. Um, but he obviously faced that. You know, he took that pretty good shot to his left ankle in the fourth quarter um, in that UNLV game. And that obviously led to him fumbling the ball in the red zone. But he was carted off the field. I believe he's in a boot and crutches now. It just says he's expected to miss multiple weeks. And with only six games left, it sounds like he's most likely going to be out for a while. I mean, even uh, Wilson said he's going to be out for a while. Not exactly sure how long he's going to be out, but he's in the boot. So it sounds like they transfer tight end they're going to be out for a while which was obviously a you know a pretty big a tight end in your offense in general is going to be pretty big for your you know offensive scheme so losing that you know in terms of not only passing but blocking it's gonna hurt i'm praying for him man he's a big dude you know he's how tall is he like six seven dude's tall tall yeah he's a like yeah he's a He's a big boy, boy and I, as a, not a fellow big boy in terms of being 6'7", but a big boy just not just being a big dude in general, Mm -hmm. I feel for him. He's 6'7". 6'7", and it's, you you hate to lose those guys, right? Now, of course, we had 6'9", Nate Cox last year, (laughs) right? So, but that was not a position player, although he probably should have been. But, like, you know, so Nate Cox, we had him, but, like, now we have Latu. He was going to be great. He was going to be awesome. Not the next coming of Cole Turner. Mm. I don't think so. Mm. Right? He still had a little bit to prove. But now he's he's missing these last six weeks that we probably could have used him a lot more than we did in the, in the first six weeks. Or, I guess, seven weeks if we count the bye week. Uh, it, 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 he was going to be good. He was going to be so good. Yeah. And now that he's gone, I think that... Unless this other tight end, which I, I wish I knew his name, uh, comes in and just balls out, I don't know if there's going to be too much, too many eyes on the defensive position, or uh, excuse me, tight end position going forward, looking at it from the defense. I don't, and it sucks because I even called it when I, w- I was watching the game because I was, I, w- I was at the football game, then I left halfway through because I was just like, I'm just going to watch this on TV. This is not fun to be here and in the sun. You know, I, I'm a ginger. I burn. <laughs> It's the sun. It does not like me. So I was just like, I don't want to burn anymore. I'm just going to go home and I'll watch the rest of the game there because, yeah. And when I saw him get injured, I even told the people I was watching it with, I was like, if he gets carted off, he's done for the season. And knowing that there are actual murmurs of that now, it's that sucks. That sucks bad because now you're losing your tall boy. I'm not saying that none of the wide receivers are tall, but he was 6'7". You could bean top someone very easily with Latu. And now we don't have him. Yeah. And I mean, they have quite a bit of tight ends on the roster it's just whether you know who are they gonna who's gonna be able to be the one to step up next uh, man up type stuff yeah because obviously that too you know he was he pretty much was soaking up all that time at the tight end position you know so i mean i know they like cooper schultz dyson frank uh, Cameron Ziedler. They've missed time before, but there are some of the tight ends that would probably step up. And then I know they do have that freshman transfer from Australia, Jaden Aruk, I believe. If I could be botching his name, I apologize for that. Um, 
but he's a six foot eight freshman from Australia that we've uh, heard about. So, and I believe he did make his debut actually in that UNLV game after Latu went down. So he, I think he definitely would probably be one of the ones in the next lineup. Yeah, whichever the one it is, they, they at least have depth at the tight end position, which is good. You know, they really have good. a good four or five tight ends behind them that can, you know, still line up. But obviously, you know, when Latu's your guy and, you know, I mean, he was having a career, he was having a career game against UNLV from what I remember, you know, he was about over 80 yards receiving, um, six catches, so he was he was performing pretty well. Yeah, that, it hurts. I know we had the death, but it still hurts. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, I, and just kind of ended off. I pray that he has a good, a speedy recovery. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thankful to never have injured my ankle more than once like that to where I needed crutches and or a boot or something along those lines and I can only imagine going through that now when your boys basically need you the most or yeah need him the most essentially yeah so I, I pray for a speedy recovery man I hope you uh, if, I don't think he listens but if he does listen thank you so much by the way uh <laughs> I pray for a speedy recovery man anyways we are getting about to our time so I think let's end it here San Diego State's coming up they're coming off a big win their first conference win against Hawaii we are kind of we've kind of just been down and out the entire time I always love seeing uh, Chris Murray's uh, Mountain West rankings for football and every time it's just Nevada with a skull and I'm just like okay that's fair but okay thanks love you Chris Murray thank you but either way let's give it quick quick 30 30 to 45 seconds what is your prediction for San Diego State if Nevada can keep the offense going I would definitely like to I would definitely like to see it you know I see it being more of a higher scoring game more of a shootout um, I mean they beat Hawaii 41 to 34 so that was you know the offense has proven that they're between the passing and the rushing game but more of the passing game that you know they might be a little better than what their record may say in terms of prediction wise I I don't know if I see Nevada coming out on this one either, unfortunately. I would say probably 38 to 21. Going high on the 21. Yeah. That's higher than our average so far. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm with you there. You know, you beat Hawaii. Good job. Mm-hmm. You beat them at home. That's actually that's actually really good. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Like, good job, actually. You've faced three teams that currently, or previously, were ranked. Right? I believe currently right now, yeah. UCLA, Oregon State, and yeah. Air Force. Yeah. Right? So you sit there and you look and you're like, damn. Well, of course, Air Force is Air Force. Air Force is where Fresno State should be. Like, hypothetically, if we were to go back in time. Well, I mean, that when they played Boise State a couple weeks ago, they lost by three points. Only then, three points. Yep, and then they went out and beat Hawaii. So they're, I don't think they're as bad as that record says. Agreed. Con- conference-wise, I definitely think they're better than what they are. Right, and they're playing, so they're playing us, and then they have Utah State, Colorado State, San Jose State, yep. and, of course, Fresno State left. So there's, uh, there's room for them to increase their, or, you know, improve their conference record. This is not going to be good for the Wolfpack. I don't think so. I think that unless there's some drastic change in the next week, or not next week, I guess, because we're recording this middle of the week. Unless there's some drastic change that has happened either before or after, you know, before or after this recording, there's no chance we're beating this team. They balled out against a team that I know we're going to have issues with, and we're just going to have to figure that out from there. When you beat a team by 41 points, right, mm-hmm. and the quarterback slings it for 427 yards against you, wow. I'm not kidding you when I say that. I just found it. Three Hawaii's quarterback had 427 passing yards in their game against San Diego State and they still won. This is not going to be fun. I'm calling, let's go let's go 38 we'll go 38 to 13. Okay. San Diego State. Yeah. 
I don't think the Wolfpack does much against this team. I mean, unless unless one, their offense pops off. San Diego State, you know, they're 1-1 away from being back at 400, and that would put them 400 overall, and that would put them, or excuse me, that 500. 500, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> that would put them 500 overall, and that would put them 500 in the conference, and all of a sudden, by being Nevada, they could be looking at a potential bowl game. You know, they could totally be flipping the script. So it's San Diego State, and I mean, they're not, they're nowhere near the bottom ranks anymore. Agreed. You know, so they're, even Utah State, you know, like, I'm just going down, you know, the remaining games they have, you know, like the only game I could see Nevada realistically having a shot is New Mexico or Hawaii. Agreed. And Hawaii Agreed. always tends to give us troubles. So those big dudes over there, the big dudes. But yeah, San Diego State, they're they're not what their record says they are. And like I said, they can get right back up to 500 if they can beat Nevada, which I definitely see happening, unfortunately. So. Agreed. Who knows? We're not a San Diego State podcast. We're yeah. Nevada podcast. <laughs> not, not Nevada. We're a Sagebrush podcast. But either way. So, yeah. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Talking Pack. Um, I am your host, Eric Raritan. And with me, again, was Dominic Gutierrez, the man himself. Thank you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, my friend. Uh, make sure to follow us on our socials, Talking Pack or Talking Pack UNR, depending on where you want to find us. TikTok still pending. We also have a new logo that's going to be going up today or whenever this uh, episode gets put up. So very, very sweet right there. It's going to be fun to finally have a logo and get some publishing everybody uh, everywhere else. So once again, thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate you. This was another episode of Talking Pack. Hope you have a good day, everybody. Have a good day.